Hey everyone, this is Pastor Steve from Faith Community Church, and you are listening to Faith That Works, podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. We're so excited that you've taken time to listen to these words today. Our desire is that this would push you to a closer, deeper, more meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. You know, I do want to say, Fred and Brenda, thank you so much. You're the reason we're having Christ in the Passover tonight. So thank you for your contact and thank you for your reaching out and bringing those in. And and I'm looking forward to tonight. Luke 19, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about this idea uh, that's Palm Sunday and the idea that you're carrying the king. I'm carrying the king. So if you've got your Bible to Luke 19, uh, is this the sermon setting on lighting? Bren, you're just crushing it back there. We've got Bren Myers back there. Is there a light setting that says sermon? Because I can't read my Bible in the current condition we're in. Praise the Lord. Now I can. Amen. Y'all are like, I was fine. What's wrong with you? Uh, Luke 19. We're going to read a little bit and then we'll jump into some things. So Luke beginning 19, beginning verse 28. Let me just read for you here and just follow along if you've got your Bibles. It says this, and when he had said these things, he being Jesus, he went on ahead and going up to Jerusalem, he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet. And he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it. And bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. Let's say that again. You shall say this, say it with me. The Lord has need of it. And so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, say it with me. The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it, being the colt. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Amen. That reminds me of a story just now, actually, as I was reading that, thinking about this was a a colt that had never been ridden You know, there was an old preacher that went to a a horse ranch one time and there was a sign out front of this horse ranch and he was reading this sign and it said, for tall people, we have tall horses. For short people, we have short horses. For large people, we have large horses. And for people who have never ridden a horse, we have horses that have never been ridden. Which might be a mistake if you've never ridden a horse to ride one that's never been ridden before. But I want you to think about this here for just a minute. And here's the thought for today. Is the Lord has need 
of it. And I know a lot of times in our lives we feel insignificant, right? Probably even this week someone's told you that you're not good enough, you're not able, you don't have the skill set, you don't have this or you don't have this. But, and I want to tell you, though, that the Lord has need of you. The Lord has need of it. It's not ours to decide whether or not we're capable of carrying the king. God, through his son Jesus, selected the colt, right? And the colt was destined to be ridden on by Jesus. And again, it's not the colt that gets the glory. It's Jesus. And so no matter what the world makes you feel like, how insignificant you may feel, and how unworthy you may feel, you have a purpose and a divine calling in carrying the king. The Lord has need of it. And if the devil could do anything, it would be to shut you down, to discourage you, to pull you down, to make you think you're insignificant or you're not able or you don't have the skill set. But God has need of every one of us in this room today. So let's go to uh, where it says, I'm not worthy. You've got that right there. The next slide, it says this. So there's four, there's four things we get caught into. The first one is that I may fail. There's four traps I want to just, just consider with me just for a minute. So here we are thinking about, all right, the, okay, so the Lord has need of me, but there's some things, some lies, right? Hey, can I tell you real, real quick that in order to stop believing the lie, you're going to have to believe the truth. Yeah, follow me there. In order for you to stop believing the lie, you're going to have to find out the truth and believe the truth. And God has a truth about you, but the problem is we line our lives up with the lies of the enemy, and therefore we're not walking in the truth, we're walking in the lie. And one of those lies is, I may fail. I, I, I don't really want to carry the king. Because if I carry the king, I may trip, I may fall, my balance isn't real good. I mean, you plug in whatever you want to plug in, but there's, there's a lie that says I could possibly fail at the task given to me, and I don't want to let God down, so I'll do nothing. It's paralyzing. I, I don't, I, I, instead of attempting something for God, I'll just lay back and do nothing. It's safer to do nothing than to do something and that's a lie that keeps you from being productive in the kingdom of God how many times even something as simple as I would read my Bible I just won't understand it I would talk to someone they probably won't talk back I would make something and hand it to somebody but you know I just don't we, we're always making excuses and sometimes that excuse is I could possibly fail at what God has called me to do. The Lord has need of it. Yeah, but if I feel like I might fail, I'll just sit back. Because here's our thinking sometimes, is that someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. Sometimes at the school, I secretly throw trash down. Because, and I watch as kids go by to see if anyone will. And if someone picks it up, I'm like, there we go, there we go, there we go. Did you put that trash there? No, but you picked it up. That's it. That's it. When you see the need, meet the need. When God reveals to you what the deficit is, take care of it. Well, what if I blow it? Then blow it. 
I'd rather try to share the gospel with someone and trip all over my words than to be silent. I would rather try to do something for the kingdom of God and take a step of faith out. See, we give Peter, we're, we're, that movie Friday night, I'm kind of excited about it. We give Peter a hard time because he walked on the water. Oh, he left his, he kept his eyes off Jesus. He began to sink. What about the other 11 boys? We, we forget about that. Poor Peter, no faith at all. Listen, all 12 of them should have been out there dancing on the waves. They had just kept their eyes on Jesus. But 11 of them said, Peter, you're, you're a loony bird. And listen, he said, come, I'm coming. Right? He said, come, I'm coming. So he slipped, but he's got a story to tell. For just a moment, boys, I walked on this water. Y'all, we used to put nets in this water, but for just a moment, I was walking on the water as I kept my eyes on Jesus. Don't let the devil get you in the trap of I might fail. The next one is this one. No one will like me. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't care what people think. But honestly, we're just middle schoolers in bigger bodies. Right? Right? Because I... If, if Fred Bishop doesn't like me, then I, I you know, and I don't, I don't want to do something for someone because someone may not like me and he may not approve of me. And, and, and so, you know, we say we don't like this, but we do like the approval of others. Now, some of us crave it more than others. Some of you are like, I don't care what you think. We know who you are. You've identified yourself and you're treating us in such a way that you don't care what we think. No, I'm just kidding. You understand? But a lot of people are bound up in the I don't want to do anything because what if what if I try to do this and no one and I may fail or what if everybody kind of likes the job I'm doing right I, I can I tell you real quick that if you want everyone to like you don't be a pastor I'm just telling you don't be a pastor right don't really don't be in any kind of leadership amen because because how many of you understand some of you can't keep the kids in your house happy right because they all want something different. And that's just the way it is, right? So we can't get bottled up in thinking, I need everyone to like what God's called me to do. Some people may not like what God's called you to do. But what's your responsibility? To do. To carry the king and to do what God's called you to do. The other cults might be jealous. You carry Jesus. The other cults may point a finger. The other cults may say this and talk bad about you and do all this. But your responsibility is to do what the Lord has need of it. And so carry the king. So I may fail. No one will like me. How about this one? I'm just, I'm a bad person. I'm just bad. Some of you have this, I'm just, I'm just bad. I'm, un, I'm not, I'm unworthy. I'm not a good person. I'm just bad. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Pastor, you just don't understand. I would carry the king, but I'm not qualified to carry the king because I'm bad. And we're going to talk about that because Jesus qualifies us. Can I get an amen right there? So, again, what I'm trying to get us to see today is that we get bottled up and we get paralyzed and we get stuck in our own feelings. And we have to be... Uh, so important and so understanding today that we can't get locked up in our emotions and in our feelings. We get bottled up and we get paralyzed by our feelings and our emotions. So we can get caught up in the I may fail. No one will like me. I'm bad. How about this one? We can say my past disqualifies me. Right? There's no way I could 
Because some of you would say, well, I would carry the king, or I can't tell you how many people that I've ran into and said, I have a calling, but I blew my calling because of what I've done in my past. And can I remind you what Paul says, that the calling of God is irrevocable. When God calls you to do it, he's going to get you to it. And so understand that no matter what you've done, God is a comeback God. We have a comeback God. And so it's important that we don't get, again, wrapped up in our own weaknesses, in our own frailties, in our own insecurities, in our own, you following that? Because can I tell you that? When we get wrapped up and I may fail, no one will like me, I'm bad, my past disqualifies me, that's about as selfish as you can get. All your focus, but no pastor, I'm really just trying to protect the body. No, you try to protect yourself. You get into self-protect mode and now all of a sudden you're not doing what God's called you to do. It's the same thing with Peter in the boat. God's calling you out in faith, but you want to play it safe. And can I tell you, when God calls you to do something significant, like carry the king, we're not playing it safe anymore. We're stepping out of our comfort zone. Can I tell you, if we had a Bible full of stories of people who stayed in their comfort zone, none of us would read it. We, we read it because it's a story, it's a book full of men and women who felt God calling them to something bigger than themselves and they took a leap of faith and every time, every time, as long as they were obedient, God came through. God came through. God came through. Maybe it is time. Maybe it is time that we get to back thinking supernatural thoughts because we have a supernatural God. Instead of everything happening just in the way we can contain it, in the way we can think, we need to start thinking. We need to start attempting things that we don't think maybe we, that we can do, but that God's calling us to do. So guess what? When you do something, when you say, I don't think I can do children's church, but God's calling you to it. So when you do it and people say, man, you're good at that. Mm, it's the Lord. It's, it's got to be Jesus because I, I, I'm... You know, uh, it, it's, the, it's the Lord. He, all I did was take a leap of faith. Uh, we, we used to start attempting some supernatural things so that we could put a supernatural God on display. Because if we only do what we can do, then you get to take credit for what you did. But if you begin to do things, so you say, I cannot do this. Now, don't do things that you can't do and you shouldn't do. That's the flip side of that coin, right? Some of you say, I feel called to sing. Nope. 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 No, you're not. You're not. Right, you've watched American Idol. My mama said I could sing. Your mama lied your whole life. You didn't get your Hollywood ticket. You're not going to Hollywood. You need to go back home is where you need to go. And but my mama said I could sing. Yeah, because your mama said, think about that statement. Your mama no one else said you could sing. Your mama said you could sing. And the truth is, you're just terrible at this. Right? 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 Don't say, I feel God's called me to run a marathon and you've never ran 100 yards. Right? So it's got to be important that we understand that we do want to do what God's called us to do, but God will also, God will never call you to do something he won't equip you to do. 
And sometimes it will take discipline and sometimes it will take work and it will take you leaving your comfort zone, but God is going to call you to do it. So my, my, my thought today was this. So we feel kind of beat up by these thoughts, these feelings, the emotions. I may fail. No one will like me. I'm bad. My past dis- disqualifies me. And we may have this thought right here that, I know this is kind of a little joke here, but I don't have a leg to stand on. As a colt, I have nothing to stand on. How am I supposed to carry the king when, when, I'm, when I'm ill-equipped and I don't have, and I'm trapped in my emotions, I'm trapped in my feelings, and I feel bad. Pastor, you don't have to understand my past. And, and so I feel, I feel not able. I don't feel qualified. And can I tell you, in yourself, you are not. But God. But God. So how do you get qualified to carry the king? Only Jesus. Jesus has really done more for us than we can ever realize. Some of you need a fresh idea and a fresh revelation of who you are and what Christ has done for you on the cross of Calvary. So guess what? So now you don't walk in when you say, carry the king. The burden of carrying the king, oh, that's too heavy. Right, but in Christ you are able. In Christ, you are equipped. In Christ, you have. So in Christ, you you have been made worthy. In Christ, you don't need to worry about what people think. In Christ, he takes care of your now. He takes care of your past. In Christ. That is the significance of what the cross has done for us. When we get this week, we think about Holy Week. We think about what Jesus has done for us. All the benefits of his cross. We can focus on the idea that I am, I can be qualified to carry the king. So let's talk about the first one here. It's called justification. We're going to talk about these big Bible words that will be significant. It will make sense. What Jesus has done for you is justification. Now let's talk about this. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this. That Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, somebody say him. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That is a mouthful and I ought to take your heart and just fireworks go off. Those two verses right there, that I've been justified by faith, peace with God through Jesus, through him, I've obtained access by faith into grace. I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's a lot, church. That's a lot that Jesus has done for us. He's justified us. Now, let's talk about this. What does justification mean? So we talked about those four traps. I'm going to talk to you about four legs real quick. The first one is justification. Let's look at that together. Justification. You've been placed in right standing before God by Jesus' death on the cross. Just as if I never sinned. Just as if. Wait, wait a minute. So what I'm telling you today is that Jesus cleans your slate. He set you free from your sin. I'm not afraid of my failures past or present. My failures were paid for on the cross. So some of you today need to understand what Jesus has done. The enemy's holding your past over your head and you've got to understand I'm justified. God has taken care of my debt because of his son Jesus. You following that? My debt has been canceled because of what Jesus 
did on the cross. I don't have to worry about what I've been through because of what Jesus has done for me. My past is under the blood of Jesus. I'm justified, just as if I've never sinned. I tried to explain this sometime. If for those of you parents that have a couple of kids, you, you, this might relate to you. One, one of your children makes a lot of mistakes, and you're ready to drop the hammer in punishment on the one child, and your other child says, whip me instead. Ground me instead. Whatever you are about to do to my sibling, do to me. Don't do to them. Well, first of all, mom and dad, when you get up off the floor from that incident happening, right? <laughs> what just happened, right? Think about that. The punishment for your sin was placed on Jesus. Now, what that ought to do is make you worship. That, that ought to get you in your word. That, that ought to get you in the church. That ought to get you sharing the gospel with people because your punishment was placed upon Christ. And now you've been justified. You've been made right. You've been placed in right standing with God. You and God were, the Bible tells us, enemies. You were at enmity with God. But Christ brought the two of you together and now your debt has been canceled because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Anybody feeling that today? Aren't you excited about that? Let's give God a hand. I've been justified. I'm justified. Just as if I never sinned. How about, how about the second one? The second one's called reconciliation. Now, each one of these will blow your mind. So let's talk about reconciliation just for a minute. Colossians, which we studied a little bit ago, says this in Colossians chapter 1. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You're kidding me. You're kidding me here. That I've been, I was alienated, I was hostile, doing evil deeds. He's now reconciled in his body of flesh by death. I want you to think about it like this. So justified, right? Justified, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, you can sit right there, but I'm gonna use you here just for a second. So, so there was an issue between us, right? That through justification, that issue has been settled. It, it, the, the debt has been paid. Reconciliation a step further. Now, now let's be friends. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So not only did I offend God and God gave Jesus to justify me, now God comes to me and says, hey, now let's be close now. Now, now that I've justified you, now that there's nothing between us, now that, now that there's no separation between us, I, I don't want just your debt taken care of. I want to know you. I don't want you to know me. And God reveals himself. So God not only pays for you, Think about the person that pays for your debt and you're just in awe of that person and that person now comes to you and says, now let's be friends. Wait a minute, you killed your son for me and now you want to know me? That's a whole nother level that, that's mind-blowing to think that it's not enough that God would justify me. Now he wants to reconcile me. He wants to come, he doesn't want to just pay for me. He wants us to come together. That's what Christ has done for us. Reconciliation to restore to friendship our harmony. What was enemies have now become friends. Now think about this. I don't fear rejection because in Christ 
God has accepted me. Right? I, I, I mean, I want Mark Bricky to love me as much as the next person, but I don't need him to love me. Right? I, I don't need him. Some of you have this, this thing that I need people to like me. And what's happened is the enemy has put that in you because you need people to like you. Can I tell you, Jesus loves you. And because you've been accepted by God, as long as you are right with God, I don't need you to like me. I want you to like me. I hope that you will like me, but it ain't keeping me up at night. Because I'm accepted by God. He approves of me. You understand? Now, again, flip side of that coin is, then people just simply can get offensive like Gary's running around telling everybody what he thinks and just blowing people up. Jesus loves me. You can hate me if you want to because you're a low down. Just You ever follow me? We can't abuse that acceptance of God by running around being an idiot. We still must be loving and kind and, and all this, but I understand. I, I, don't, I don't, my craving to be accepted is met in Christ. You following that? So I've been accepted. I've been reconciled to God. Christ has, God has accepted me. Why? Now, he hasn't accepted you because of what you've done. He's accepted you because of what his son has done. Understand? Some of you trying to work really hard. If I give enough money, if I do enough work, if I come to church enough, then God will accept me. He will never accept you based upon what you do. He only accepts you through what his son has done for you that you're trusting in. You're trusting in, you're believing in, your faith is in. Don't steal the Son of God's glory. And that dog will hunt. You understand? Don't steal the Son of God's glory. And when you think you're earning your way to heaven, that's what you're doing. You're just not that important that you think your works could somehow achieve something. But Jesus is. Jesus is. So just put you, so what, what am I supposed to do? Enjoy it. Right? If I buy you food, don't feel guilty about it. Eat. And if I offer you dessert, get it. And enjoy. You understand? God wants you to enjoy his son and the blessings of what it means to have faith in his son. So don't walk in guilt and condemnation, right? Enjoy the benefits. Walk in holiness. Align your life constantly with who he is and what he wants for you and enjoy it. Enjoy what it means to follow God. The, the third thing is propitiation. Say that five times, right? Propitiation. Now, the, the idea of propitiation is this. Justification, now follow me here, I've been made right with God. Reconciliation, I'm now friends with God. Propitiation, God's not even mad about it. His wrath, now I'm telling you what, if you're missing Sunday mornings at 9.05, you're just missing it. Can I get an amen? So, so, Think about it like this. We decided today, and you should agree with this, and if you can't, you're wrong, that God, God hates sin. He hates it. He has a wrath 
he has to deal with when it comes to sin. He has wrath must be satisfied. And can I tell you the best news of all is that God poured out his wrath on his son so that instead of you having his wrath, instead of you having his wrath, God took his anger for your sin and put it on his son. And if you'll just deal with me just for a second and, and help me, to, and maybe you completely disagree with this, but for just a moment, when God dumped out the wrath on his son on that Good Friday, and, the, the, and for just a, a brief moment, if you could just follow me just for a second, and maybe you, again, disagree, I think the Holy Trinity had a little tear. I don't think it's separated, but I think it tore because Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the bearing of the wrath, my, my wrath, Jesus bore my wrath for just a moment. Jesus in the darkness of that moment felt like, God, where did you go? And for just a moment, the Son of God who had been with the Father for all eternity, for me, he got lost in bearing the brunt and the wrath of God. And in that moment, my God, and when Jesus died, creation went berserk. It couldn't even handle what was happening as God poured out his wrath on his own son. And read it. Earthquakes. Tombs open up. Dead people randomly start walking around again. This crazy stuff start happening because for just a moment, God had to take his wrath for all mankind and he poured it on his son. And Jesus said, put it on me because they can't handle it. They should, I don't want, Jesus loves you so much that he did not want you to bear the brunt of the wrath of God. And he said, God, put that on me. Amazing. It's amazing that God would care about you that much. And that's what propitiation is. God has made me right. He wants to be friends with me and he's taken his wrath about my sin and he's cast it out because he put that wrath on his son. Now, does that excuse me for my sin? No. Does it mean there is still discipline for my sin? Absolutely. But what I'm talking about is the wrath of God about the judgment for my sin. When I put my faith in Christ, the wrath of God is satisfied. Can anybody hear that today? Think about that because of what Jesus has done. The wrath of God is satisfied. So that leg three, propitiation, the wrath of God towards sin is satisfied. So I'm not afraid of God's wrath because of mercy. Anybody thankful for mercy today? People get mercy and grace mixed up. But can I tell you, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. But mercy is not getting what you should get. Right? I'm not doing this. You deserve it, but you're not getting it. That's the mercy of God. God had mercy on us, amen, and didn't pour out his wrath on us. That is the mercy of 
God. So let's talk about the last one. We've talked about justification. I've been made right with God. Reconciliation, I now can be friends with God. Propitiation, the wrath of God is satisfied. And finally, the last one is regeneration. Regeneration. Titus 3, 5 says this, that he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, say it with me, new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, here's where we got to be careful. The rubber meets the road at regeneration, right? Because a lot of people will come to a service, shed a tear, maybe feel some goosebumps, and maybe say some words, but there's no regeneration. There's no new life. There's no, born, right? We've talked about this. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Not you must clean up your act, Nicodemus. You must stop cussing, Nicodemus. You got to start changing. You got to give up Netflix, Nicodemus. See, we're probably, we're getting all sideways on stuff we got to fix. And what, what God wants to do is fix your heart. He wants to make you new. He's not just interested in cleaning you. He wants to make you new. He wants to make you a brand new creation in Christ. We can be regenerated. Not just dusted up, cleaned off, right? Right? Ladies, you get up every morning. Men, we get up every morning. We look in the mirror and we go, dear God, we've got to do something about that. Right? I can't. I can't. I can't ever ever let anyone see me like that so, so, so we go to work we go to work some of you working harder than others and that's okay right some of you getting up at 4 o'clock to get ready because you got work you got you put in your work before you go to work right but, but I'm telling you so that's, I think that's what a lot of people do a lot of people are, are kind of into this I'll be moral Jesus thing I'll try to be a better person I'll try to fix myself. I'll try to just, I understand some things the Bible says. And that's why I think there's this great deception in the church today of people who are attending church, maybe even being baptized, and they own a Bible, and they're trying to be good people. But there was no rebirth. No rebirth, no regeneration. Christ never came and give you that new heart. You just always, been, and so you've been spinning and spinning and spinning and you internally feel the frustration because the behavior modification thing, it just never satisfies. And it doesn't. Until you drink the living water. Until you take a taste of the living water. Jesus himself. Only Jesus himself can satisfy the thirst that you're feeling inside. And so we got a lot of people trying to do a lot of things right, but just not getting where they need to get to because they're trying to fix themselves. Regeneration is what's needed. So the work of the Holy Spirit that makes a person new, that's what regeneration is, when they trust Jesus as their Savior in Lord, therefore, for every man who be in Christ, he's a new creation. There is therefore now no condemnation. I don't, I don't get so bogged down by my past. Why? Because my past is gone. My past is under the blood. My past is forgiven. 
right? You've heard me say this before, but Martin Luther, right? He says, every time the devil reminds me of my past, I say thank you because the blood of Jesus has covered my past. So thank you for reminding me the great work that God's done in my life. So every time the devil reminds me of what I've done, I just remind him of the greater work Jesus has done. And so God gets all the glory. So again, remembering this, all of this is for what purpose? To carry the king. So my question to you is, will you carry him? Will you carry the king? And I'm not saying, will you try to be a good person? Will you try? I'm saying God has a purpose and a plan for you. The Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of you. And maybe you're not exactly sure what even all that is yet, but you've got to understand, you can't let what you've been through, what people think about you, your past, your feelings about yourself, your emotions, whatever, you can't let any of that trap you into staying tied up. There's a group of people that are just stayed tied up. They're just constantly tied up. And, they want, and God wants to loose you. God wants to set you free. God wants to show you a new way in Him that you can live. If we can figure out what it means to live in Him, to live in justification and reconciliation, to understand, to have a revelation that God's wrath has been satisfied, to know that there's a new work God has done in me. And I can walk in that who I am, not who I was or who I'm trying to be, but who I am in Christ and then let God do what God wants to do. Amen. God wants to use you. I you I need you to wrap your mind around that today is that God wants to use you. So number one, don't tell God how he should use you. That, that's not helpful, right? It's not helpful to start telling God, hey God, you're going to do this with me, right? God's like, to stop, right? And I think we also need to not be so locked down in our insecurities or, in, or, get, thought, or get distractions, right? Distractions. Can I tell you, uh, there's two things the devil uses, deception and distraction. Everybody following that? How many of you just feel like sometimes just get distracted? I mean, here's another week went by, two weeks went by, and I knew what God wants me to do, and I just get all these things that I knew God wants me to do. Why can't I get to it? Because the enemy wants you to stay distracted. He wants you to stay deceived and maybe your feelings and distracted and not get to all that you get to. So the question is, will you allow God to use you? Will you allow God to set you free from your emotions and your feelings about yourself and that you'll stop believing the lie and walk in the truth? And that you'd be willing to say, uh, you know, not that, you know, some donkeys talk in the Bible, but this one did not, right? If the, if the disciples came up and said, hey, uh, the, the Jesus needs you. Mm, no, thank you. Um, that sounds uncomfortable because people will be staring at me and throwing down things in front of me. And I just really don't want all that kind of attention. Hey, can I tell you the attention is his? But God needs a colt to carry his son. That's you. That's me. And it's not about me. Can you hear that? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about my insecurities. It's not about my feelings. It's not about my emotions. It's about Christ needs to be lifted higher. You hearing that? Jesus needs to be lifted higher. So you and I are vessels for Jesus to be lifted higher. Are we willing? Are we willing? Will you bow your heads? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 South East Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. 
We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www.fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m., and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. Come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day, and always remember that Jesus changes everything.